You're listening to the Wealth and Wanderlust podcast, an international finance and personal development podcast for the modern day woman. I'm your host, Vanessa M.W., and I'm here to help you build a better life abroad or in America. You can find out more about my work in finance and travel on wanderonwards.co, or you can say hi on Instagram at wanderonwards. Not all classrooms have four walls, so open your mind to what's possible and let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Wealth and Wanderlust. You're here with Vanessa M.W., your host, and a wonderful personal friend and colleague in the industry. She has an incredible financial education platform called We Bravely Go. We've collaborated on multiple um, learning seminars and workshops, and I just have the utmost respect for her and everything that she does in this industry. Would you like to give yourself a little introduction? Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. I keep meaning to tell you, by the way, I love the name of this podcast. Oh, thank you. So good. Because I feel like everyone wants to tie in the word money or wealth, but it's always like some of them are really boring, and yours is a really good one, I think. So good job. Congratulations. <laughs> Anyway, hello everyone. I'm Kara Perez. I'm the founder of a company called Bravely Go, and we do feminist and intersectional financial education, which means that we talk about things like race and gender and politics, So, because all of those things impact your money. Um, I live in Austin, Texas, and... Um, that's, that's that. <laughs> that's that. I feel like you could go on and on about like everything that you do for this incredible community. Um, let's, we'll get into that, but let's start first. What was your come to Jesus moment? What took you away from being a bikini model on Instagram and put you in the financial education world? Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, my come to Jesus moment. I remember it so clearly. You know, you ever just stand in a target being like, what the fuck am I doing with my life? Because <laughs> I've had that moment. Um, so I'm 32 now as we're recording this. And when I was 25, I had my come to Jesus moment where I basically, I was, I graduated college in 2011 and I waited tables for the first three years out of school and some waiters make a lot of money, but I was not one of them. And I had a little over $25,000 in student loans and was not really making any headway. I wasn't investing. I wasn't saving. And I was literally watching all of my classmates and my friends do things that I couldn't do or have experiences that I wasn't having, like buying their first homes or getting promotions or opening retirement accounts. And I was just like, so I make like between $800 and $1,300 a month. I live with three roommates. I just don't do anything ever. The only bar I can go to is one where it has this $2 Tuesdays where I can get three drinks. <laughs> like, cause each one of them is $2 and that's it. So like not earning any money and not knowing anything about money was really, really limiting my lifestyle. And I basically just had this moment in summer 2014 where I was like, holy crap, if I don't figure this out, no one else is going to do this for me. No one's just going to like ride in on a white horse and be like, here's money to retire on. Like I need to figure out how to get money to retire on. So that was my come to Jesus moment. And for me, I really focused on my debt. My debt was a bummer for me emotionally and financially, because it was by far the biggest bill I had to pay every month. And it made me feel bad. Like I felt embarrassed that I had student loan debt. I felt like going to college was a mistake. And I just, 
I lived in a house with three roommates and none of them had debt. So I felt kind of isolated by that. Um, so first I focused on paying off my debt. I paid off my last 18K in 10 months in what I call my debt payoff sprint. And I was only making, I made $32,000 before taxes. So it was closer to like 26 after taxes. So I was living on very little. I was doing that rice and beans, Netflix, like roommates, Netflix login. I was like, I'm not paying for anything (laughs) except my debt. And I started blogging while I was doing that being like, I, here's all the wild things I'm doing to pay off my debt. I have five different part-time jobs. I'm just like hustling, hustling, hustling. And that debt got a good bit of attention or not that debt, that blog got a good bit of attention and I got on Twitter and then I realized I love talking about money and I'm not seeing anyone talking about money from my perspective, which is single, low income woman who wants to talk about social issues. (laughs) Like at that time, (laughs) 2014, 2015, it was mostly just people talking about how they were really high income but had made dumb decisions with their money and now they were making better decisions with their money or people in really intense debt payoff, but like, we're trying to pay off our house in five years sort of thing. I was like, I don't have a house. I don't have a Lamborghini that I can just sell. Cause like, sorry, I made that dumb decision to buy a Lambo. Like that's just not me. And then I got on Instagram and started sharing. I like formed the business officially and decided I wanted to talk about money and women and real social issues as well as like, the nitty gritty how-to stuff. And we've just been rocking and rolling ever since 2017. It's amazing what you do on just Instagram. Um, I love the stories that you post where you teach us something new every two weeks, every week. It's sponsored by your Patreon. And I've learned so much about the post office, about the Supreme Court. And I am so grateful, even as a money educator myself, I feel like you're the the person to learn from in our industry. So thank you for teaching me to teach other people. Um, what started the weekly showcases of like different topics around the world? Because it could be really easy to just focus on, on just money, debt, budgeting. What inspired this greater educational umbrella? Yeah, I think, you know, when I first started, I did much more focus on the nitty gritty stuff, which we still do, but I'm just a person who has a lot of interests and I was voted most argumentative in high school. And <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I've just always felt the urge to push back against these narratives of like, well, if we just focus on personal responsibility, or if you just focus on getting your own bag, you know, like the rest of the world doesn't matter. And that's simply not true. And we know that as women, right. And you as a woman of color, right. Like you're experiencing things that are impacting your money, pros and cons, right. Positively and negatively. And it was just totally bonkers to me that the personal finance world was refusing to have these conversations. Like I think the I did a story on I'm trying to you mentioned the post office but I don't want to talk about that while I was talking about. <laughs> um, oh like I did a story on women entrepreneurs and like women are starting businesses faster than men which is a fact that gets touted a lot but women also rarely get VC funding which is also talked about a lot but then also women rarely get 
bank loans. Like it's so much harder to start a business as a woman. And if we just pick out the like Sarah Blakely's and the Oprah's and are like, hashtag girl power, it's really not doing anyone anything to move the needle to get them to be the next Sarah Blakely. Like we have to talk about the systemic bias that women are up against in order to then say, okay, so you're going to go into a meeting with a bank officer who is going to ask you where your husband is. Like, how do you handle that? You know, How can you re, re-pivot the conversation instead of just being like, women are so powerful, you know, like, I don't, what are we talking about? Or to not talk about it at all. So that's why I wanted to talk about it. It just felt so obvious that these conversations needed to be had and this advice needs to be given or these issues need to be sorted out. I don't always have the answer, but I think by at least bringing it up, people can say, here's what worked for me, or yeah, I'm going to stop doing that, or I'm going to do more of that depending on the issue. And that's, I think, how we can really begin to change things. Well, these conversations are so important because the very first step of raging against the machine is realizing how it's formed to oppress you, I want to say, but uh, just to to keep you in your box. And Mm -hmm. for example, at a, I'm not going to specify where or when, but at a client meeting, we got asked, will this client team be changed or altered in any way for the next year and a half? Because it's important that we have the same representatives and tech people for this project the entire way through. Everybody looked at me because I am of childbearing age. And you know who asked this question? A woman. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just sitting there, I'm looking at my, the director of my company and he's looking at me back I'm like, am I supposed to answer if I'm going to go on maternity leave in the next year and a half? Or what what do you want from me here? And prior to these conversations of understanding like the subtleties in the corporate world that are set up for women to fail, I would have never understood. I would have been really anxious. I would have been questioning myself a lot. I just stayed silent. And I was like, this is above my pay grade. I just let my boss answer. (laughs) That is infuriating. That is just like so crazy. Yeah. And it's exactly situations like that, that no one is really talking about, but good for you for staying silent. I love that. Cause also like, you should not have to justify that. Like, I love that you were like, this is my boss's responsibility. Cause it totally is. But also that question is so inappropriate and it shouldn't even be in the workplace like at all ever uh, so. and nobody thought it was anything to be like concerned yeah. about or flagged I was the youngest person in that room by far by at least five years mm-hmm. um, and now that I'm constantly having these conversations I'm getting better at having them mm-hmm. um, and that is partially because of you um, <laughs> so tell me about the untouchable uh, money challenge, because we see a lot of um, marketing for it. I see a really good uh, public feedback for it. I want my listeners to understand what it is as well. Yes. So this is a six-week live course that I offer twice a year, and it's for Money 2.0. Something that I realized with my audience was, you know, budgeting 101, debt payoff 101, investing 101, so important, and definitely the bulk of what we do. But once you are beyond that, you really are kind of left flailing unless you're ready to hire like a money manager. But a lot of those money managers or financial advisors require, you know, $300,000 in assets before they'll work with you. And some people aren't quite there, but they're like, I don't need to know how to budget. Like I get that. So the challenge is for people who are looking for money 2.0, you're comfortable investing. Like you understand how 
your retirement accounts work and you're able to contribute every single month consistently, but you're also like, but I would love to know more strategy around this. I would love to know what a backdoor Roth is and if I should be using it. I would love to know more about dollar cost averaging and if I should be leaning more into that or leaning away from it. Um, and so it's six weeks, we cover six different topics. We've got diversifying your income, investing 2.0 in the stock market, real estate investing, taxes, so how to save money on taxes, especially if you have side hustle income, if you have real estate income, um, then we have wills and estate planning, and then we have financial independence. And each week is a different speaker, so it's not just me, because I'm not really equipped to talk about taxes, frankly. <laughs> so we have a CPA, and we have a real estate expert, and we have all of these people who have degrees and awards and are pros. And each week we go over the topic, you're paired with an accountability buddy, you get a workbook. Um, so it's really well fleshed out and gives you a lot of support to help you get to that next level on your money. I love that. And I think this would be a great pairing with my financial fluency course, which is the more basic um, sort of money 1.0. I say that it's the class we all should have taken in high school uh, Mm -hmm. about personal finance, because it it really does focus on how do you teach personal finance to like an eight-year-old, and then they can graduate to the money masterclass that you have, the 2.0, because eventually you hit a wall and you need to know what the next steps are. The, The education doesn't stop here. Um, yeah, totally. You also have a wonderful relationship money. Um, is it a workbook or what is this? Yeah, it's a workbook. It's called First Comes Love, Then Comes Money. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's about how to talk about money with your romantic partner. Um, and so it goes through everything from how to first bring up the conversation to then deciding, should we have joint accounts? Should we have separate accounts? What works for us? And so it walks you through, there's different chapters and it walks you through different exercises and different value statements and also just um how to have the conversation, questions to ask each other, questions to ask yourself. Um, And then there's a chapter on if you want to combine accounts, like here's how you can. If you don't want to combine accounts, here's how you can stay separate and yet like involved, you know, so that you know what's going on. Because I've been in a relationship for almost seven years and we do not have joint accounts and like no no plans for joint accounts. (laughs) (laughs) I just was getting a lot of questions about that. And I like, Let's put it in a workbook. It's 22 bucks. Like go forth. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's so interesting. So you spoke about values in your workbook. What values led you guys to separate uh, your accounting? That's a great question. So the very first situation was like when we first got together, he was making 24 grand a year. I was making 18 grand a year. And it was just like, we don't have any money. And like, (laughs) (laughs) and he had, over 60 grand left in student loans. And I had about 18,000 left in student loans. So also, I mean, very few people meet each other. And in the first three months are like, let's combine accounts. <laughs> it just wasn't the thing. And after we had been together for a while, about two years, it was right around two years, we moved in together. And we, you know, started to like combine more of our lives, but he still had all this debt. And I just said to him, frankly, I was like, I'm not interested in combining money until you're debt free quick commercial break. Want to manage your money better? Check out my beginner's budget dashboard. It's an easy to use digital tool that helped me economize my lifestyle easily so I could invest over $20,000 in 2020 alone. Check out the link in the description.
<laughs> like, cause paying off my debt, was, which sounds harsh, but like paying off my debt was so hard. I worked really, really hard at that. And it was so transformative for me as a person. And I didn't want, I was so nervous. I was like PTSD from the debt. I was like, I can't have anything like that in my life right now. I'm very focused on building my savings, beginning to invest, and I just can't be brought backwards. And it, it would felt, combining accounts then would have felt like going backwards for me. And he was like, that's fine. I don't really care. He's very laid back. T-Bone is very chill. So <laughs> that's also very helpful because I'm like, hey, 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 hey. And he's like, it's fine. Um, and so now we've been together, you know, we're like, we're each other's people, like we're doing this thing. and. I think we're more open to the idea of maybe one joint bank account, like checking account, but we don't have any shared assets. So it doesn't, we don't need that. It's not like, oh, we have to make the car payment or we have to make the mortgage payment. Like he just Venmo's me rent and then I pay the landlord. We each have our own cars. Um, so there's really no need to do it unless we want to. And I think right now I'm still just very much so this is why I don't want to get married too. I just, am, I really value my independence right now. And it's not like I need to be like, I'm an independent woman, you know, destiny's child in the background. Like I don't <laughs> need that, but I like, I really, I've worked so hard to put my financial place, to put my financial life in place. And I love logging into my bank accounts and being like, that's my money. No one else can spend this. No one else can earn this. No one else has claim to this. Like this is just me. It's still very exciting. I think we just talked yesterday on the phone because health insurance it, today, today is the day I have to get my health insurance. <laughs> Otherwise I will be, you know, just left out to dry. Hashtag America. <laughs> he was like, yeah, you know, I was like, ah, oh, T-Bone, should we just get married so I can get on your health insurance? He has great health insurance. And he was like, I mean, I totally would. Like, if you want to get married for the health insurance, like, let's just fucking do it. And I was like, oh, no, because then I won't be independent anymore. I won't be just me. And now it'll be a we. And I'm still enjoying just being a me. Yeah. So that was very that, long-winded. That is totally, you're fucking right as well. Because I, I changed my name recently, like legally. And mm -hmm. a part of me died inside because... Vanessa Menchaca got herself out of debt. Vanessa Menchaca moved to China. Vanessa Menchaca has done all this incredible shit. And now Vanessa Wachtmeister is just cruising through life. Like she has all the visas. Everybody's hiring her. Like it, it's night and day, these two people. And if I'm being honest, I get the white privilege that comes with Vanessa Wachtmeister because nobody knows I look like this until I show up. Mm -hmm. I could do a job interview and they'd be like, no, 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 we're looking for a blonde haired, blue eyed <laughs> German woman for this interview. Um, but for us, we are in the process of combining assets and like building a real life now. So it is weird. Um, I still have my own accounts as well. I still have my own um, investment accounts completely separate. And I love waking up every day looking at my money, being like, yup, still got it, girl. Still got it. <laughs> yeah. So there's oh, somewhere in the middle that you can, can reach as in whatever like um, relationship status you're in for anyone who's listening. You could do the Cara, you could do the Vanessa, you could do whatever you want to do. Totally. Yeah. I want to just be really clear because I've gotten a little flack for this in the past. Like I'm not judging anyone who <laughs> combines and it's totally up to each person and each relationship and I think what's great is like, it's always there. 
you know, like you can always do that or you can always uncouple your money if you want. Like it's so flexible. Nothing has to be permanent, which is also like very satisfying for me because I like fear, I like fear permanence. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) Why though? Where where do you think that anxiety comes from as we get really deep into it on a podcast? Let's get into it. I think it's because growing up, two main things. Like I was obsessed with, um, I still am, who am I kidding? I like still reread these books, but I read all these books as a kid about like, um, adventurers, like knights specifically, like solo knights going out and like protecting the realm. (laughs) So nerdy and I love it so much. And I was always obsessed with the idea of literal movement, like of traveling or of getting in a van. I'm very into van life and have been for about a decade and just being able to go. I don't like feeling tied to things because it makes me feel almost claustrophobic. Um, and I think I'm just transferring some of that to my money situation where it's like, oh, if we combine, it's like, then I have to ask his permission if I want to do, or not permission, but like, I have to let him know I want to spend a thousand dollars on whatever, or he has to let me know. Like T-Bone's a musician and he wants to buy a bass and it's 1600 bucks. And I'm like, if I saw a 1600 charge come out of my checking account, I would lose it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's, there's some of that. And then also probably like clinically speaking, like my parents are divorced. And so I I might just have some anxiety of, of, I didn't grow up in a two parent household. I didn't grow up seeing people share. I grew up like independent. So maybe I'm just like sharing. Why? (laughs) Not in my plans. Do you have any, uh, like, sorry, I was going to say house tier in German. It means pets. Do you have any pets that you guys have to co-own or anything like that? No pets. Great. So when are you moving to Europe to live in my general (laughs) vicinity? It doesn't sound like you have much keeping you back. Listen, literally. So T-Bone is in grad school right now. And uh, I was like, okay, okay, okay. But after you get this degree, you're a musician. Like, wouldn't you love to study like musicology, which is like, I don't know, the history of music or the study of, I'm not even sure what it is, but (laughs) sounds interesting. And he's really into weird noises. And he's always like, oh, in Indonesia, they have a totally different, like, set of scales. I'm like, who cares? No one cares. I don't care about this. But, like, I love you, boo. I love you so much. (laughs) So, anyway, I was like, we could go Barcelona, because I'm obsessed with Spain. I really want to go to Spain. And he was like, yeah, I would get another degree. Like, if I had a student visa and it was paid for, I was like, okay, great, because I know this woman. (laughs) We just had this whole thing. Blah, blah, blah. blah. He was like, you need to come. I got to get this first degree. But anyway, I don't know. I'm planting the seeds. I'm planting the seeds for, you know, two years in Spain. That sounds great. That sounds amazing. And a little more seeds in there. Um, if he does a university program, he can bring family. Family doesn't necessarily need to be married. Um, <gasps> there, could, there could be a partner visa situation. And that would actually give you the legal right to work as well. Um, oh so, yeah, it, it's the perfect scam. <laughs> So it much truly is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We learned. I learned this in London when a when several of my friends did it. They brought their husbands over um, while they did a business degree or whatever. Um, but really, if anyone listening to this podcast wants to start working in Europe, getting a European degree is the first and foremost way to prove to these employers that you're serious about being here. You're committed. Um, I just got my five year residency to all of the European Union this year. 
is <laughs> blowing my mind. Yeah, because they don't normally give it out. They give it out for one country. So come mm-hmm. on down to Europe. We'll do the scams. Um, <laughs> scamming all over Europe. Scamming all over Europe. Um, and so what can we look forward to in 2021 for Bravely Go? That is a great question. That is the question. The question. <laughs> Health insurance, then planning. Yes, that's exactly it. Um, I'm literally taking Thursday and Friday off this week to answer that in more depth. But I can tell you what I'm thinking, which is I want to continue doing more storytelling education. And so I'm hoping to expand mediums, not just be an Instagram stories anymore. Um, I'm, I'm considering a YouTube channel, but I don't know. I can't, if the idea of a YouTube channel, the lighting and the audio, I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I would really like to expand on my storytelling education to another platform. So whether that's YouTube or maybe a podcast, figuring that out. And we'll continue to do events. Um, the online events space is so fun and I love it. And it's just so much easier. I used to do in-person events before the Rona and now I'm like, wow. I'm never going back. Like, who? Nope. <laughs> I can't worry about <laughs> catering and bathrooms and all of that when I can just be like, meet me on Zoom. <laughs> yes, I agree. You did in-person events for personal finance. How did you market that? Oh God. I'm like, how did I market that? It seems like a year, like decades ago, but yeah, we used to do like quarterly conferences with like 60 people, <laughs> which was great. But, um, marketing was really reaching out to like local news sources, you know, like put this on your calendar, send this to your email list, please stuff like that. And then obviously my own channels. Um, But yeah, the in-person events are hard if you don't have a big marketing budget because it really does limit you. It limits your audience to like whatever city you're in. And I would travel. I did one in Portland. I did one in Boston. I did some in Austin. But like, you know, no one's going to hop on a, I mean, maybe someone would hop on a plane from Chicago to Austin to come to my event, but like, I'm not really big enough for that yet. Um, So the in-person events are always a ton of work and they're super fun. I loved it. There's nothing like in-person, but um, the ROI on them was also pretty small. So. Yeah, I could imagine. Oh. <laughs> Whereas that. now we can scale so quickly with these workshops. Um, the first one is always the hardest. Putting finances and Fuego together nearly broke me. Um, but <laughs> now we have the technology, we have the payment gateways. It's fine. Um, so we're coming to the end of our podcast now. Um, I did want to close with a little um, explanation of your Cuba trip because I just came back from Cuba right at the start of the quarantine. So I recognize what a beautiful place it is. I think there's a lot of misinformation in America about Cuba. So I'm so looking forward to you guys taking a bunch of Americans and showing them what it's really about. Yeah, I'm so excited. So I'm doing this trip in partnership with Berna of Hey Berna and Kiona of How Not to Travel Like a Basic Bitch. Um, And the point of it is really an educational vacation. So it will be um, five days. (laughs) I'm like, wait a second. It's five days. And we are doing it. Each trip has a theme. And so our theme is remix capitalism because Cuba is a socialist country and America is a capitalist country. And we're not saying, you know, one is inherently better than the other. There are really flaws in both. But in the United States, you know, we see Cuba as the enemy and people like hate Fidel Castro, but like don't really know that much about it. And there's just a lot of misinformation 
and like bias. And so I'm very excited to take this group. We've got 20 people coming with us to go down there to explore the economics, to see what life is like under a different economic system and to say like, hey, here are parts of this that are awesome. Here are parts of it that I don't really understand. And here are parts I don't like. And then also apply that lens to our own life back in America to be like, well, here's parts of capitalism I don't like. And here's parts that I think are kind of cool. And then how can we as individuals advocate for change within the system that we're in? So I'm very excited. We have everything from like salsa dancing to masterminding with Cuban business owners to a beach day to a horseback riding like bar hop. We're going to be bar hopping, but on horses. So it makes so much sense. It's the most, it makes the most sense. Um, (laughs) So yeah, I'm super excited. I've never been to Cuba, so I'm, I'm very jazzed about it. Is the trip sold out? You said you had 20 people. We have 20 slots and we've sold 13 tickets. So anyone listening to this who still wants to come, you absolutely can. The link is in my bio on Instagram. I'm sure it's in Berna's bio. I don't know. I haven't checked. (laughs) Um, But it's literally says like, come to Cuba with me once you click the link. So do that. Come with me. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be sure to include this in the uh, comment section on YouTube and then in the relevant link section. but thank you so much for hopping on this podcast with me. I know you have a big day ahead of you to pick your health insurance. Um, as a reminder, where can everyone find you? Yes. So my website is bravelygo.co. So it rhymes nice and easy there. Don't go to bravelygo.com. I don't know what that website is. I don't, I don't own that. Um, and that's where you can find, we've got a bunch of articles. We've got a bunch of resources, like my favorite money books, all that stuff. And then on Instagram and TikTok, we are at we bravely go. Uh, I couldn't get just the bravely go handles. And then on Twitter, which I'm actually having like a weird Twitter resurgence. I'm like Twitter. Oh yeah, what's happening here? Um, mm-hmm. We are at bravely go. So there's no we in the Twitter handle. Okay, good. I will also include the links down below, so nobody has to think too hard. Um, <laughs> we'll have a wonderful rest of your day, and thank you so much for being on the show. I'll Thank see you, you so on much the for internet. Me. This was fabulous. Yeah, I really am loving this whole podcast thing. It's just nice to talk to people that are really interesting and like talk about the same stuff I like. Yes, completely agree. Love a good podcast. Want to win a free finance related digital product valued anywhere from $15 to $300? Just subscribe and leave a review on iTunes with your name. I'll announce the winner each month on the podcast and you can DM me on Instagram to claim your prize. Thanks for supporting the channel and I'll see you next week.